Today, message 15 from Genesis, from mountaintop to everyday life. I suppose this would be very applicable to Rick and Terry, from mountaintop to everyday life. You've been up on the peak today. But you can never stay in the spiritual mountaintop of Bethel. In chapter 28, we left Jacob at that point. He was at a zenith in his spiritual experience. He was so touched, he said, Lord, I'll give a tenth of everything I have to you. Now, you know he had a marvelous experience for him to say that. And that's what it takes for a person to give to God what's rightfully God's, a Bethel, a spiritual encounter. He had it, but he could not stay there. Peter wanted to stay on the Mount of Transfiguration, do you remember? He said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. He didn't want to leave that place. Let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. But Matthew 17, verse 9, says something very interesting. They came down from the mountain. Did you ever notice that? They didn't stay there. The Lord wouldn't permit it. They came down from the mountain. Practical, everyday life awaits you and me after the mount of spiritual experience. In one chapter, Jacob is crying out, this is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven, and in the next he's at Laban's house, and he meets a crook bigger than himself. <laughs> and you will too. There's one out there. If you're used to smacking people in the face, you'll find one who will smack harder somewhere. They're there. You have to go out there and face the world. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just stay in this kind of an atmosphere all the time? What a feeling in church. But we can't. We have to leave here and go out into that world. God deals with man 99% of his life on the common ground of everyday experience. It's out in the office, it's at the home, it's in the school, it's wherever we find ourselves. 99% of the time, that's where we are, 1% on the Mount of Bethel. So we've got to find some things in this encounter with Jacob that will help us in our encounter with the world. It's an old superstitious notion that in order to draw near to God, it is needful to sever ourselves from life's common duties and surroundings. The two points of my message today are simply these. God meets us where we are, and God demands of us where we are. And I'm preaching to myself as well as to you. I cannot live on top of Bethel all the time as much as I would like. Why, there are things every day that strike my human personality, and I have to cope with them and bring God into those events, into those circumstances, just as you must. It's not all peaches and cream. It's not all standing up here on the platform and ministering to hundreds of people being picked up by a television camera and being recorded on tape and the message is going across the world. 
That's just the top of the iceberg. What is beneath that is the same as what you face. Problems, circumstances, misunderstandings, people who try to straighten you out all the time. Just yesterday I opened the mail. There was a letter written in hand, by hand, addressed to me. I always looked to see who signed it, and it was an interesting signature. It said at the bottom, a prophet of God. I read the letter. God told this prophet that I was having an extramarital affair and that on July the 22nd, Ichabod would be written over the door of this church and the ministry of Capital Christian Center would be destroyed. Now, how would you like your mail to be like that? And that's not unusual. One thing I do know, I've never touched another woman in my life. But that's where we live these days. I have never endured the pressure that I am enduring today. I have not had to take the abuse that I am smilingly taking today. Sixteen-page prophecy the other day, telling me all about myself. And on and on it goes. The bottom line is simply this, folks, and I just share my heart with you. I'm, I want to be like a mirror, a glass. I have nothing to hide. Before Jesus comes, the devil will ever level every attack at us he possibly can. And in the last days, Jesus said, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, or if I may add a prophet of God, and they will deceive many. And why do we gather in Capital Christian Center today to worship? We must be here to have our Bethel so that when the mail comes tomorrow, we'll be strong. We won't be knocked over. We won't be cut down. Our testimony will not be destroyed. We can lift our head up and say, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he will keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That's the way I plan to live tomorrow. Even though I know tomorrow is not going to be the great victory of today because tomorrow I've got some big things to deal with. Today, all I have to do is preach the gospel and sing and pray. Glory to God. What a day this is. I'm on top today. But tomorrow, I've got to deal with some heavy stuff. Day by day, down in the valley kind of stuff. You understand? And I know while I'm dealing with mine, you're dealing with yours. So how important are these moments of worship and the Word and sharing together the strength of each other 
To have you here is a boon to me. It's a blessing to me. It lifts me. And I hope that my being here is a boon to you and a lift to you. And you know that with Pastor, we can make it together. No matter what comes our way. So God meets us where we are. First of all, Jacob was at Luz. Do you remember about Luz from chapter 28? It was an obscure place. He lighted upon a certain place. That's all the Bible says. There it was. Not engaged in any sacred observances at all. He was traveling on foot through a desolate region. But it was in that place that God drew near and spoke to Jacob. Isn't that great? Moses was tending his sheep amidst the rocks and prickly shrubs of Horeb when God appeared to him in the burning bush and taught him that the mountainside was holy ground. The disciples were standing half naked in their fishing boat, worn out from a long night's work, fruitless toil, when they discerned someone standing on the shore. And John said unto Peter, It is the Lord! What did Peter do? He wrapped a garment about him and he plunged into the water for he was naked not waiting for others he wanted the fellowship of Jesus and wasn't going to wait for somebody else that's what you need to do today that's what I need to do today John said it is the Lord and Peter didn't wait there he went to talk to Jesus and this is your moment of opportunity you may not even know why you're here today you may have just wandered in off the street. Your car just turned in the parking lot with all those others that had their blinkers on. And you struggled to find a place with others. You're here. God meets us where we are. Saul of Tarsus was riding horseback through the heat of the Syrian noonday sun when a brighter light from heaven shone upon him. He met the Savior in the routine of his life. He wasn't planning to meet Jesus that day. He was going out to kill the Christians, to bring an end to this nonsense, when in that moment the Lord appeared unto him. If you haven't been coming to Wednesday night Bible studies, we've been encouraging the people in Acts through the life of Saul of Tarsus not to get uptight about your loved ones that you're praying for or your friends. God is at work. Don't get nervous someday on their way to somewhere like Saul of Tarsus. It will happen if you believe God, thou shalt be saved. And thy house, God is not asleep. His Holy Spirit is not lazy. He is roaming this earth and he's touching people for whom prayers are being offered. Believe that. God meets us where we are. If somebody runs off on a big drunk, you have one of two options. You can say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I know that in this big drunk he's going out on, you're going to touch him. Thank you, Jesus. So you can get all upset and pull your hair out and wring your hands. Call up the prayer tower in Tulsa. Or just calmly say, it's in your hands, Lord. I've prayed. I'm believing. Glory to God. I'm just going to thank you for the victory. Somebody's probably going to be witnessing down by the tavern today. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that a lot better? Sure it is, because that's the word. He meets us where we are. 
he is conscious of what's going on out there, then you can apply this personally in your own spiritual quest. You've got a big burden today, a big problem today. The answer isn't going to a two-week retreat in the mountains. It isn't waiting for a better day to find the deliverance you need, your life needs. God is here today. The impression of the Spirit to me is that the time has come. Meet God right now. Plunge in like Peter and meet the Lord. Because that's his plan. He meets us right where we are. If I may say something to the television audience, you may not know why you turned the dial to this particular station. Be assured it's God at work wanting to meet you right where you are, right in your circumstance, because he loves you that much, just as he loves all of these in this sanctuary today. Then second, I learned from Jacob that God demands of us where we are. Jesus was not to be just a meal ticket to the disciples, if you read the Gospels correctly. They saw him feed the 5,000 and they thought, ha-ha, our meals are secure. But Jesus said to them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's found in Matthew 16, 24. To renounce Christ is, of course, the tragedy of tragedies for a person. And some have done that. Now, that's not the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Some of you have renounced Christ by the way you've been living. Some of you have said to a loved one, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. That doesn't mean it's unpardonable. That just means you've been foolish. And the Lord appeals to you today to turn around. And he will receive you. And then to those who have received him, they must renounce self and accept the will of God and the purpose of God for their lives, to stop living for the big I. You see, Jacob was living for the big J. It was just J. Boy, that was who he was concerned about, the blessing. And all of the other things that he sought after. But there comes a point, my friends, and I think we're at that point as a church, where we must decide whether we're going to serve self or serve Jesus. God demands of us where we are. Some of the problem that kids have when they go to secular universities is that they never really deal with self in the local scene. They go to the big university where there are humanist teachers, they go where there's a lot of sin and compromise and they lose out. Same with the armed services. They get in the barracks and there's pressure and they've never dealt with self. They've never taken that firm stand. They've never said, I'm dying with Jesus. I crucify myself. I know what Jesus said, that if a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it will bring forth If it does not, it abides alone. And there's nothing worse than abiding alone. 
So we have to crucify self and all that comes along with it. We have to say to death, to riches, to death, to amusements, to death, to pleasures, to death, to honors, and all of the powers of this world, I hereby declare myself a servant of Jesus Christ, a disciple of the living Lord. I put myself on his cross and die daily unto him. That's what Paul meant when he said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it is not I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If I may be so bold, some of you need to nail your tongue to the cross. It's a deadly evil, James says in his third chapter of his little epistle. It sets on fire the course of nature. And the gossip and the backbiting and the bitterness that comes out by the tongue needs to be nailed to the cross, literally. If I were to draw a picture, I would draw a big tongue on a piece of wood coming out of mouth and a nail right through the middle of it. So I would remember how important it is that that part of me be crucified with Christ. God demands of me right where I am to be holy and to speak right and not to bring disrepute to him or to his cause or hurt to others. I had to be impressed when I listened to my son's message from last Sunday and he said, I have never heard my father speak loudly to my mother. Then he went on to say, he may have, but it wasn't when I was around. And Randy, you're right, I have. Once, maybe. <laughs> I went to him after I listened to the tape, very moved. And I said, if I am worthy of what you have said, I feel my life has been worth living. But oh, how that tongue can destroy at home relationships, an atmosphere that should be filled with love. We must take it to the cross. What about those eyes of yours? Job said something real interesting. I've pondered it. Job 31.1, Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Have you ever seen that statement in the Bible? I made a covenant with my eyes. Now, the Bible says that there is what is known as the lust of the eye. In other words, the eye travels where we shouldn't let it travel. And if you dwell on it, it ruins you. It destroys you. So in reality, we need to, need to take our eyes to that cross and nail our eyes to that cross that we may look upon those things we should look upon, see those things that we should see, overlook those things that need to be overlooked. Jesus, take my eyes and crucify them today that I may be holy and righteous before you. Take every area of your life and say, Lord, by thy grace, I reckon myself dead unto sin. Jacob spent 14 years of toil, trial, and testing because he lived his own way in those early years. 
God demands of us where we are. I've been reading ahead in Genesis trying to fill my mind with all of these stories in this great Old Testament book. And I have read how after 14 years, Jacob is still scheming for Laban's cattle. Even after 14 years, he's not through with his lesson. Then he secretly leaves Laban's house while Laban is away shearing sheep. This nephew and uncle could not even trust each other. And I guess the capstone of the whole thing is in chapter 31, verse 52, when a pillar of stones is set up as a boundary line beyond which Jacob dare not go. Isn't that something for family members to be treating each other like that? Why? What's the bottom line? Self. Hadn't crucified self. The communist who wrote, there is one thing in which I am in dead earnest, and that is the communist cause, says it all for the Christian. It is my life, he said, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife and mistress, my bread and my meat. I work at it in the daytime and dream of it at night. Its hold on me grows, not lessens as time goes on. Therefore, I cannot marry. I cannot carry on a friendship, a love affair, or even a conversation without relating to this force which both drives and guides my life. I evaluate people, books, ideas, and action according to how they affect the communist cause and by their attitude toward it. I've already been in jail because of my ideas, and if necessary, I'm ready to go before a firing squad. End of his statement. How many of you would be able to say that for Jesus Christ? I think of him in the daytime. I think of him at night. I dream of his kingdom. While I'm asleep, I'm constantly aware of his dealings in the world. I see his hand in everything. I will die for him. I'll go to jail for him. I'll do anything for him. That's the way it should be. That's the New Testament principle of taking up our cross and following Jesus. If you don't have that kind of dedication to God today as we sit in this wonderful atmosphere, we need it. Well, we're going to have the heartaches of a Laban and the heartaches of a Jacob and the heartaches of an Isaac and a Rachel. Because when we try to do it our own way and put it together in our own strength, it will fail. But when we let God meet us where we are and we let him demand of us where we are, there will be victory. In prayer this morning, the words of the prophet came forcibly to my mind for this day. It is not by might. It is not by power. It is by my spirit, saith the Lord. I knew when God dropped that into my heart so forcibly, that I needed to say what I am going to say now. There are some of you who hear my voice, who have it all down on paper, just exactly what you're going to do. You've mapped it out. You've already decided this is what you're going to do, and God has sent me to tell you today it's wrong because it's by might and it's by power and not by his spirit. 
It's your mind, not his mind. You need to get before God and say, God, what would you have me to do in this situation? This thing is not good. I don't feel peace about it in my heart. I lay it before you. I crucify that, Lord. Today, I seek your face. I want your will, your desires, Lord. May they be my desires. That's what God is demanding of you today. And you've got to go from this Bethel today out there to everyday life and put it into practice. And I want to tell you, God is going to be there. He's going to manifest himself. He's going to be strong on your behalf. He will be what the psalmist said, a refuge, a tower, a stronghold for you. If you will apply what the Holy Spirit is saying to your heart right now as I'm speaking to you, the Holy Spirit says, that's you. This is the situation. Let God work in it. And if you will, he will demand of you, but it will be right and it will be good and the outcome will be fantastically beautiful. But you've got to let God be God. Jacob schemed and connived. He took things into his own hands and eventually he had to go back to Bethel again. Don't go by the way of the crowd folks. This is a day we can't go by the shouts of the crowd. You remember Fulton's folly? They said to Fulton, this is stupid. A steamboat? Today steamships roam the seven seas of this world. Fulton's folly? Listen to the crowd. Some of you came to church today on Goodyear tires. Did you know that for 11 years, Goodyear and his wife worked on vulcanizing rubber and the crowd said, that is funny. They laughed at Goodyear. But today, wherever rubber is named, you hear the name Goodyear. Westinghouse was called a fool for daring to think that he could stop a railroad train with wind. But today, Westinghouse air brakes are used all over the world. Musicians and critics groaned and laughed at the music Richard Wagner wrote. But his compositions have transformed the music world. And listen, they have laughed and scoffed at the name of Jesus for years, and it will continue until the end of time. That's why you must make a determination. I'm not going to go by what the crowd says. I'm going to go by what my heart says. And today the Holy Spirit zeroes in where you are and asks you to walk from Bethel out into everyday life with a sense of power, with a sense of anointing, with a sense of authority. These are words you've got to get into your mind. Let me give them to you again. A sense of power, a sense of authority. A sense of destiny. Those are words we as Christians must use day by day. We are not just ordinary people. We are people of destiny, people of power, people of authority. We move mountains. In the name of the Lord, when we have let God demand of us right where we are, Eventually, Jacob got it all put back together again, but boy, did he go through some rigmarole in the self-life 
before it ever came about. And if it were not for the grace and mercy of God, he would have never made it. But isn't that encouraging? Because if it was not for the grace and mercy of God, not a one of us here would make it either. So praise the Lord today. We're going to make it. God is merciful. But you say, Pastor, I've tried ten times. Congratulations. I can count to eleven. And even twelve. And onward. And you can too. So you keep trying. You keep moving toward the cross. You keep coming back to Bethel. You keep building your altar. You keep calling upon the name of the Lord. And one day you're going to lick it. And the Lord will be king and master. Whatever that is. That needs his divine control. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, as the Spirit of God broods over this place, touch people up and down these aisles, up in the balcony. There are people who have been struggling with life. They haven't been happy. In fact, they're just downright miserable. God, meet them where they are today. Some of them may not even know why they're here, except that you led them here to hear what we had to say from Genesis 29 about a man who lived a long time ago who tried things like we have tried them so often but needed to come to Bethel and get things squared away. So here we are in your Bethel today, Lord, in the place of an altar. Touch us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Touch us. Get right down into our hearts. Lord, if it is our tongue that needs to be nailed to that cross, then pound away. If it is our eyes, if it is our hands or our feet, if it's our attitude, Lord, whatever, nail it there, crucify it, that we may go out of our Bethel experience to the world with a smile on our face and a meaning to life that will win and touch others. While our heads are bowed and no one is looking around, simply to guide the, guard the privacy of each person. I want to ask if you have come to church today needing a salvation experience, you need the forgiveness of your sins through Jesus Christ. Those blessed moments are now upon us when we can come to Jesus with our sins. Will you come? Will you say, Lord, here is my life, take it, use it? If so, I want you to raise your hand as an indicator because I want to pray for you today and through this week. And I want to see your hand saying, Pastor, I received Jesus into my life. I need him today. I know I've been fighting him and his cause, but today I surrender. God bless you, girls, over to my left. Thank you over here. God bless you. Raise your hands back here under the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. Raise them up high, then you can put them down again. Thank you back there and over here to my right, sir. Thank you. God bless you, man, back there. Thank you. Thank you. Back under the balcony, both of these sections here. Thank you. God bless you. Are there others? I want to pray for you today.
Jesus loves you. He really cares about you. Come to him today. He'll forgive you. He'll be your Savior. He'll be your Lord. Are there others quickly before we change the order of the service? God bless these who have raised their hands. Thank you back there, another hand. Thank you so much. How many of you have come to Jesus, but you'll have to say, Pastor, you hit the nail on the head. I've got some areas of my life. I've got to get control of with God's help. I know as I go out into the world, it's going to be harder than it is here with the family of God. So I need help. I need a supernatural visitation. Raise your hand and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Here's my hand. Yes, God bless you. All over the building, hands are going up. God bless you. I believe for it. I believe for it. This is our Bethel experience. God bless you. Let's all stand reverently and quietly for prayer. Let's sing it. Let's sing it right now. I surrender all. Raise your hand and say, Jesus, I do. Then I want to pray. Lift it up. I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. All to Thee. Sing it again. for salvation, may salvation come to their house. Right now, may the door be open and they let Jesus in. Hallelujah. And Father, for those who need victory in areas, let it come right now. I pray that the release of the Spirit will be theirs. The blood of Jesus cleanses all sin. We're free. And now we can believe for the power and the authority to live as we should live in victory, in power. Thank you for it. Now, those of you who have raised your hands to accept Jesus, I have a booklet I want to give you, Five Steps of Christian Growth, a tape I want to put in your hand. I need you to come so we can give you the material before you leave. And this is Baptism Day. Brother and Sister Gonzalez will be over here on my right. For those of you who want to be a part of tonight's Water Baptismal, there's material you need for a class at 4.30 this afternoon leading up to the baptismal. Great time of testimony.